Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo oh. and my ha-ha. <laughs> Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? <laughs> and Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hip music. Hello. Hi. Hi. We are here for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You in the uh, platypus posse. You know. Uh, we have the video. You can always check out the podcast on the Miguel and Holly YouTube page, YouTube channel. Mm. Uh, just type in Miguel and Holly on there. Uh, I want to start off with a couple of messages that we got some of the platypus posse. Mm. Nice. Okay. This comes from Leah. And this was from uh, Monday, uh, February 15th. She says, you all make my mornings whenever I can listen to the podcast. I do. Uh, Bravo to Scott for trying to be a better communicator. Live Mm. life to the fullest. Be safe and have fun. This is what your 20s are for. Amen. Yes. Uh, Then she says, two. Miguel, I understand where you're coming from. I never thought I would get married as well, mm. and I'm about to celebrate my first wedding anniversary on March 13th. I'm oh, so happy yeah. for you. I don't know if that type of self-talk is just a random person thing or an LGBTQ thing since it wasn't legal for so long. Maybe we thought because it wasn't legal, we shouldn't have it, but mm. we should, and I couldn't be more proud and happy that we do. Holly. Oh, hi. That silhouette red light challenge was Fabulous. Oh, yeah. Don't let one nasty comment bring you down how you feel about yourself and your body positivity. Love you all. Thank you for what you do and being honest about your lives. That takes guts. Sent from my iPhone. Well, thank you. (laughs) That is great news. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really nice message. Thank you so much, Leah. Um, I got to respond back so I can get her some Miguel and Holly uh, circles. And if you want some, you can always send me an email, Miguel at Hot1015TampaBay.com. Yeah. And then on the Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review, this is from James Rico on Insta. Unintentional love story is the subject line. Oh, I love these are the best. I found you guys on the radio back in January of 2020 trying to find some other station. But I've been a listener for over a year now and a platypus posse for about eight months. And I listen every morning and every podcast. I love all your energies and I appreciate everything y'all do, especially Jacob two times heart. Oh, there you go. That's so cool. That's awesome. So thank you for leaving reviews. Please, please, please do so. Yeah, we love it. Holly. Uh, what? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Why? Just ask. Girl, we podcast. Oh. You How's oh, it going? We're just, we're just <laughs> hanging out. We're just doing our thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I'm pretty good. I had a good therapy session yesterday. Oh. Um, And I was telling you this a little bit, but it's really, it's a little weird Going so deep into therapy that you uh, have to start like sort of reframing your memories with a different lens. Mm, and what does like, that mean? Uh, well, okay. So for let me let me address that in a second. But first, what I will say is, you know, I'm such a big supporter of you know checking on your own mental health and doing therapy if that's something that is right for you. Which spoiler, I think it's for everybody. Um, but I understand that you know monetary reasons and whatnot. But yeah. 
it's also um, not something that's like a quick fix, which mm. I think is why most people don't want to do it or can't. Uh, or, or it's just a big commitment. Yeah, it, it is a big commitment because, but it's like the best commitment to yourself. It's yeah. just it's difficult because, unlike let's say going to the doctor for a broken leg, like there's a very finite set of circumstances. Like you go to the doctor, they set your leg, they put a cast on it, you do you it heals, you do physical therapy, and then at some point you're like, I'm all better. Mental health isn't quite like that. It's not necessarily linear. It's not necessarily, hey, six weeks and you're all better and all go good. out into the rest of the world and just live your best life. Yeah. It takes a while. Like I've been in therapy now for about a year and a half. Mm. And at, and sometimes I'm like, I think I'm good. Do I even need anything anymore? And then I'll do like one extra session and then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's all this other stuff I got to unpack. Mm. Ah. So um, having said that, it's just interesting to me that I'm like a year and a half in and I'm still getting to like the roots of different things. Mm. So what I say, like reframing memories through a different lens is um, and I haven't talked about this on a while for a while, but I've had issues with my mom over the last well, over the last seven years, but specifically over the last three to four, ever since she had this traumatic incident where she had to have brain surgery and get a tumor removed. And so we ended up on, you know, the subject of my mom during therapy yesterday. And the reason I say it was so good is because it was a lot of my own self-realization, but also uh, support and um, guidance from my therapist. Mm-hmm who helped me kind of like piece some things together. And what I learned about my mom, and it kind of sucks in a way, is like I had always sort of said that like, well, my mom is like was like the perfect mom and I can't ever be as good as she was and I have no bad memories as a child and all this. And what I've realized over the course of a year and a half is like that's simply not true. Mm. And I don't mean that in a bad way towards my mom, but there is no such thing as a perfect, perfect mom. Yeah. And what that did to me uh, is is it made me doubt my own parenting skills, and mm. it also made me realize that this is not a perfect human. And there are, like, I don't want to get into all of it, but basically, like, a lot of what she did was her own coping mechanisms and her own imperfections as a mom that made me come out, like, a certain way because that's how I was raised. And when I say reframe your memories... I'm, I mean, like, looking back to, I don't know, to try to keep it broad because I'm not dragging her or my brother into this. It's not my story to tell necessarily. But, like, the certain story that she would tell about my brother for years, she still tells it. I don't know if she t- tells it in exactly the same way anymore, but the story that we all heard, you know how your parents have the same story they trot out for different guests or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story that she would tell about my brother um always seemed like just a nice doting caring parent story well once I kind of talked through it with my therapist we realized it was actually like very very selfish and actually a really unfortunate thing that my brother had to grow up with Mm. how does that happen how does that how how do you know for example my brother and I grow up hearing this story and thinking like Like, you know, our mom, she loves us so much. And, like, this story is so great. This story is slightly horrific. And this story is actually, like I said, very selfish in a – and it wasn't, like, on purpose. It wasn't like, 
oh, my mom is about to tell a really selfish story because she thinks it's going to get her attention. Yeah. Completely unconscious, subconscious move. But, like, you grow up thinking one thing and one way, and then finally, after, like, so many years or so many sessions of therapy, you realize, wow, that was the exact opposite of what that was. Mm-hmm. Mm. So wow. now you have to kind of go through and kind of Oof. view your memories that may trigger you in some type of way or another through the new lens of my mom was not perfect. Right. And a lot of what she did was actually super harmful. But, again, because I'm so, like, I, I get it, I'm not, like, throwing my mom under the bus here, oh. and I don't want you to think that. But at the same time, it needs to be something that I accept. I also think, too, that we are literally in a time where our culture is changing, yeah. and we are viewing things from that different lens and saying, oh, maybe that's not the best way to parent, or maybe that's not the best way to talk about something or to look at something this way. Yeah. Um, I was just reading an article a little bit ago before the show this morning mm-hmm. um, about it was a radio consultant, which we actually have those in our business that, you know, swoop in and sort of listen and say, oh, here are some things that you can change. Here are some things that you can do. Improve on. Exactly. And one of them was talking about sort of cancel culture and how our industry um, is dealing with it. And one of the things that they are talking about is adapting to or not looking at it as cancel culture, but how the culture is changing and how norms that we thought were okay back then are not. And this is part of his article he wrote. Uh, Here's an example of changing culture. Uh, When I was a boy in the 1960s, comedians on television joked constantly about women drivers. The joke was automobiles were too confusing for dizzy females. They were always denting the family car and so forth. The joke was, of course, a false premise. At some point, audiences stopped laughing. Smart smart comedians noticed changing culture and changed content. Mm. Thus, no more lady driver jokes. Uh, but some broadcasters persist with false premises, refuse to change with the audience, and get canceled. Um, and then they give some examples of some. Uh, yet some people continue to blame cancel culture as they plummet onto smaller platforms and smaller audiences and smaller paychecks. Some vanish into oblivion. Mm. Call me crazy, but isn't the idea behind broadcasting good? To connect with the broadcast audience possible. The larger your audience, the more culture change that you must be aware of to stay in harmony with people as they evolve. Uh, luckily, all you must do is to make the effort and care. So basically, taking what he said about what we do as our job, but then also placing that when you look at your mom and, like, decisions that she made. Um, and I look at that for, like, my family and why we have these communication problems and not – for me, taking it as, why did they wrong me? Why do they hate me? Why That's do they the not want it? And it's like, no, they don't hate me. You can't do it that way. No, it's just that my grandmother came from a generation that didn't talk about feelings. They yeah. didn't talk about, <laughs> they didn't say, I love you. They didn't hug. It was a, we're here to exist. We're here to work, exist, and not die. Right. And then that was it. Like, that was it. And so then she comes along and she has five kids. She doesn't know how to properly communicate that love and how to communicate. And so all of my my uncles and aunts, they don't communicate with each other. And so then they pass it along to the, you know. And so it's a cycle that continues to go where now that we, the generation, millennials and Gen Zers, we have to be the ones that say, okay, 
we understand that that was just a way it was because also like it was tough like it was. for like you know for everybody but like i think about my family in particular for black families where like they the last thing on their mind when they were trying to figure out how to put food on the table yeah. how to live in not, living in the south um under oppressive jim crow laws and how to like just feed their families the last thing on their mind was like well, how do you feel today? Mm. Yeah, exactly. It was like, how can we make sure that our family is safe and taken care of? And I totally get that. But now it's our job that we've gotten past that point as much as possible to do better. Right. You know, and so I want to say that, like, it's not you throwing your mom under the bus. It's just understanding that times are changing. And I'm sure I, I'm not sure. I know for a fact that in 15, 20 years, we're going to look back at what we do now and be like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Did we actually talk about that? Like, it was okay? How offensive. And we won't, we'll, and we'll look, and now we're like, everything's fine. We're, we're thoughtful. We try to be as open as possible. So it's really interesting to take a look back. And I really think with that Britney Spears documentary, mm-hmm. Framing Britney, is another great example of how our culture has changed and the way we talk about celebrities and how we handle mental health and the misogyny that we have in our culture as well. 100%. 100%. So it's like it's just a changing thing, but it's weird to be the linchpin, like the top, the where you're tur- be, you're the generation where it's turning mm-hmm. because you grew up with all that, but right. you're also trying to make it better for the rest. So it's just I say that's why I say it was a really good therapy appointment because I it really made me think and so now for the next couple of weeks when I until my next appointment I get to like think on that and unpack and like figure it out. So I just had a good thing yesterday. And can I mention one thing about cancel culture? Yeah. While we're on it, um, I, it's it's tough because I don't like the way that it works when it comes to social media. Mm. And let me explain why. Like. Are the the way that it sort of works right now is that like something bad happens and like someone gets quote unquote canceled, but it's right now like that's it. Like once people are canceled, then what? Mm. We just move on to the next as though they're dead. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that part of it. Right. What I wish and what I hope it turns into is someone has done something wrong and. Now it's time for the lesson or the education yeah, or the yeah. growth. Chance to, yeah, grow with it, learn. And what I feel worst worst about about like cancel culture and like it gets it it, it exists for a reason. But I think the reason is getting lost where it's yeah. like how can we help people be better? It's like someone does something wrong and they might as well go live in Antarctica by themselves so that like the the people who are who know better don't have to deal with their bullshit Mm. and it's not always like that so i'm Mm -hmm. painting with a broad brush it's not always that way but more than often i see people that are like you know get out of my face you you don't belong here right yeah how do you think that more people are going to wake up if you're not helping these people i'm curious on that Scott, with the Morgan Wallen situation. Mm. Um, so if you were not aware, because we didn't really touch on it on our show, yeah. right. there was a country artist a couple weeks ago that was caught who is, I would say, sort of at the height 
um, oh, of him becoming like a not country sort of. ma- mainstay. Is, yeah, is has had the number one uh, album on the charts for like a month now. Right. So his uh, he was out on like a seventy-two hour party binge, yeah. and his neighbor. I guess their ring light was activated, and they had the footage of Morgan Wallen saying the N word to one of his friends. Um, and it's very blurry; you can't see, but I, you can you can tell because I guess you know you know where he lives, and then you can see him coming out of his house the next yeah. day. So that video made it to TMZ, and immediately radio stations across the country pulled his um, music from their stations. Um, his record label suspended him. Um, he lost endorsements, I believe, oh, yeah. from different companies that he was endorsing. And he's released, like, there was the immediate video, and then there was sort of one that you can tell was sort of, like, worked on with whoever is in his camp to sort of help him. And I think he did a great job in touching on the points that he needs to about, I need to reflect, I need to go away. Um, you know, if you're trying to stick up for me, don't. Yeah. This was a mistake. Yeah. So I'm curious... Scott, for you, is Morgan Wallen someone that you're canceling, or is it someone that you're looking to see what he does? How are you as a country fan handling that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what he said is like, I definitely, when that moment happened, it's like, you're going to be on the back burner for a, a hot second, like just a long time before. I think the general public needs to process what happened and also just take a second. For me, like when I heard that, I was like, I can't listen to your stuff right now just because I was just so disappointed in the action of it, especially with just, again, when you continue to grow and society continues to grow in the right direction, it's like though that you just took a step so far back and it's so wrong and it just it just hurts so many people so much. And to hear you do that, it's like, dang, like, I, I just wanted you to be better, even though I've never right. met you in person. I don't know exactly who you are. I love your music and I love everything else about you. But then you did that. You're like. Wow, like that gives me a little bit more insight into how your brain works. Like what else is going on up there? What else are you thinking? And so for me, it's definitely I'm still like I'm just not going to listen to your stuff. It just doesn't sound the same right now. I listen to it as mo- like I like the sound of his music, but I'm like then I think to that moment. So for somebody like that, I'm like it's going to be a while. Like I want you to first off like take some time to go just work on yourself in general because if you really take a deeper look into artists like Morgan Wallen or just anybody else that kind of messes up, you see a real big pattern of they're just going on this downhill spiral. And somebody like Morgan Wallen, who's had, like, honestly, like, drinking problems in the past, and that's been talked about. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's bring up the bigger issue that of, like, okay, you're now going through this whole series of success, but you're just ruining your life. Mm. And now this, if anything, it's like a wake-up call of, like, dude, you got to get your life together, and you got to make it right with people. But for the first part, like, it's just take a seat and just kind of reflect and get better with it. I think that's the thing that everyone wanted to see is, like, Yes, you're going to apologize, and of course you're going to apologize because when you're in a sl- you have to. Because it's money. It's mo- everything's on the line at, at the same time, but it's like right now the biggest thing is, yes, apologize, and now just go work on yourself. And when you come back, we want to see that you're better, and you want to understand, all right, why was that wrong? Why did you get canceled? Because if you don't understand that, you're just saying sorry. It doesn't mean anything. Right. What were the problems there? And also work on yourself. Work on everything else that you're like partying for 72 hours drunk all the time, getting kicked out of bars, getting, like, arrested and stuff, like, you obviously have some work to do on yourself. Make that happen first. And I, like, again, like, that's why cancel culture sucks because it's like, yeah, I don't want to just, you don't suck at your career. You're really good there. You've done a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, now is your time. Like, we're all going to make mistakes. I've done things and I've said things that I'm like, I look back on now, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But now I'm proud to say that it's like, wow, okay, definitely learned a lot along the way. 
you have to make that progress. And the same goes for celebrities, but they do in these moments have to take a step back and just be like, okay, go work on yourself for a long while, for a long while. I guess what's hard for me with that, it with the Morgan Wallen situation is like that is not a new thing. Like it's not like, you know, how I feel like our culture is finally – you know, we're on the precipice of like trying to understand transgender people and be better about how to talk about it, how to be more sensitive about it, um, because, you know, we're still learning. And I think yes. we're doing, a, a you know, a, a, a decent, somewhat decent job, depending upon where you are, and, yeah. you know, who's around you. But when it comes to that situation where, you know, the N word is not a good word, like don't use it. And so when I watched the video of him and I watched the the whole, it was like a five minute video, like the second one he did yeah. where he was like, I've talked or I've had some uh, black leaders and it's been like a week. So uh, I apologize if I'm misquoting him, but he said something like, you know, I, black leaders have reached out to me and, you know, I'm trying to understand their way of life. I hope that he's serious about that. Yeah. And I hope that people that are defending him, because I've seen this on social media, people say, well, black people say it. Why can't I say it? That's well, yeah. And it wasn't like he was calling another black person that he was calling his white friend that. So what's the problem? And to me, that shows that you don't have the capacity or empathy to care about why that word is so offensive and the power that it holds. Yes. I can understand, I guess, if you're still like, well, why can't black people use it and why can't white people use it? Well, if you do think that, that has been a word used to sum up basically that black people were not humans, that we weren't smart enough, we weren't good enough, that we were unclean, that, you know, black men couldn't be trusted around white women and that black women were just made for cooking and cleaning and having babies. All of that was summed up in that one word. Right. And so what black people did was try to take some of the power back and say, hey, what's up, my... Like, for me personally as a black person, I don't use that word. I've never liked it when my mom uses it or my brother uses it. But, like, that's what they do. My mom says that to my brother a lot, actually. <laughs> but but that's just her way of yeah. being like, stop being crazy. Mm? And I'm like, well, can you use another word to sort of describe that behavior? But so for me, when someone is like, well, I don't understand, I don't get it, there are so many resources out there for you to understand and to be more empathetic. And so – when people just immediately defend him or that, I'm like, just take a second if you truly want to understand yeah, that's, yeah. And, and, and look and expose yourself to that. And that's what I feel like, especially since the George Floyd situation this summer um, and how our country is now trying to become more anti-racist, to understand how deep this runs uh. and how it seeps into so many different areas we got to take a look at this and, like, understand how we can do better. Right. And I will add to that is that, like, you say, like, we're we're at a place where we're now looking at transgender and that's, like, the next frontier, basically. But what's so unfortunate is that there America is so big and so diverse mm-hmm. that for a lot of people, we're still trudging through 
the N-word controversy. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. they don't even realize yeah. that transgender people exist. I don't, right. I don't know. Like, right. it, we're not all on the same page. No. We're not all on the same page. As evidenced by country superstar Morgan Wallen. And you and I probably know people in the South, Miguel, Maybe Scott. I mean, I'm I'm sure, but it's just like living in the Panhandle was very like deep country. Mm-hmm. Who don't get it, mm-hmm. and they're like, but and I think this is where there's like a disconnect because they're like, I'm friends with black people, right? I I don't think there's anything wrong with black people, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like that. It's not lining up. Like for some reason, it's not clicking. Now, is it on them to figure it out? Yes. At what catalyst makes it happen? And I and I think psychologically there's a lot. I've never do- dove into this to figure out why. But a lot of it comes to um, a victim mentality. And a lot of it comes down to um, because and, and still people are confused about white privilege. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this happened when with the Capitol riots and I posted about white privilege. And there were so many comments from people who a don't understand what it means at all, right? Uh, and then think that it's like a bad thing that you that someone would say someone like it's just there's a lot of confusion, mm-hmm. and it comes from not being able to do the research. And like, do you know what's crazy to me? And that I had to really take a step back. Like, you know, all the people on social media that are like, "Oh, do the research." Do you know how many people in America don't know how to do research? That's mm-hmm. part. Yeah, it's part of the problem there. Right. When you say do the research, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like, as, and I, I don't even know if it comes in. And there's such an education gap in some places. Yes. Who taught you how to do research? Did anyone? Mm. And especially for a generation uh, older than ours, what does that even mean to them? Are you right. looking at like the crow flies at midnight.org? Like, what are you looking at? And are you taking that as actual news? Like, just the process of, quote, unquote, doing the research doesn't mean the same thing for some people as it means for others. They saw a post on Facebook. They've done the research. And that's not a slam. That's just where our education system is at. Mm -hmm. So there are so many complexities. And when when I learned about, like, how the deep divide is, even from the phrase white privilege... Which I didn't even understand fully until th- last year. Yes, yes, exactly. And I mean, I myself consider to be, you know, pretty aware, right? Mm-hmm. Like pretty aware of my surroundings. I didn't get all of it. I didn't, I legit did not understand what systemic racism was until a year ago. Right. And I'm pretty forward thinking and I do as a member of the media have a good grasp on what it means to research. And I didn't know. Right. So, like, it's not, and it sucks because someone who is far enough a- ahead is like, we covered the N word. Like, we're on the different thing. Like, catch up. And it's like, how do people do it? I, I don't know. And that's and that's the one good thing that I think came out of this Morgan Wallen five-minute apology of sorts or, you know, whatever we're calling it. Um, in that I think that his career took enough of a hit that now he has no choice but to figure out how to do the research. Right. And his money has been impacted and his fame and his viability as a performer. And so when he's meeting with, I think he said, like, black leaders or whoever it is that he's meeting with, he's going to get the education that everyone should. 
but it just isn't as accessible because if if he, someone who's a country superstar who's going all over America on tour, didn't get it, right? Hasn't got it. What hope does some backwoods person in Alabama have? Well, you know, I yes and no, and I I'm at this place now where I was not this summer, where it's frustrating because it's a quick Google search. You mm-hmm. know, like it's not just. You know, before when you had to go to the library and get the card catalog, the Dewey Decimal System, and try to figure out, you know, what does it mean for systemic racism? Like, now you just Google it. Because, like, I understood intrinsically what systemic racism was, but I couldn't give you, like, a definition of it until last year when I wanted to know more about it. Right. But ever since then... I've been trying to understand. And so I think about when the uh, when NASCAR said Confederate flags aren't allowed on our premises. Mm-hmm. So if and let me correct myself, this is also depending upon the fact if you are relying on the fact that if you want to change and if you want to know more instead of just being angry. Yes. So there's that big thing there is to me. That's another roadblock. Right. Because to me, if I were a fan of NASCAR in Miguel Fuller's body, but who, you know, lived that, that life, I'd be like, well, why? Like, why is this symbol? This is my heritage. Why are they so angry? And then I would do a little research. Like, why do people not like the Confederate flag? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I guess what would be great in this moment is if Morgan Wallen wants to, and he doesn't have to, but if he really, really, really wants to understand and do better and be better, make that public what he's learning. Yeah, that I would love that. Like, yeah. how great would, would it be for him to do a roundtable discussion with different generations of people with people of color yeah. to understand and be able to ask questions That's that he has no clue and it be just no judgment. Right. You know, what does systemic racism mean? Why don't you like when I use the N-word when I'm not saying it to you as a black person? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I have the Confederate? And I don't even know if that's something that he, you know, is a big fan of. No, but just questions in general that there is a large population that doesn't fully understand, like, those questions or what's the problem with them. And it's like, literally, like, I thought about this because I was just talking to a friend yesterday. It's like, you know, by moving to Tampa Bay from Vero Beach, my hometown, my eyes were just completely open because I was now surrounded by people that had different life stories than me. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in a town that I was like, okay, majority white, majority older, majority a little more conservative. A little, like, it was just crazy to see from just moving outside of my little town that I was like, now I'm starting to understand. I'm hearing your story. And not exactly like walking in your shoes, but at least understanding why things are offensive, why things hit you a certain way. Because I remember we like, in one of my organizations, we did a whole thing on trigger words. And it was like, okay, what is this? And I remember sitting in the lesson like, this is dumb. But then people went up and talked about why these words actually impacted them. And you hear their stories and you see their tears. You're like, that's it. Like, mm. I've never experienced that because that's not my life story. But here, seeing you as a friend, somebody that I love, talk about it, now I understand. And that changed my entire perspective on so many different communities. I was like, right now I want to do better because I see exactly how it impacts you. And for a lot of people, they just never get that chance to see how it truly impacts how somebody feels about it. So they're like, yeah. it doesn't bother me, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I don't think it actually matters, right? It they're sucks. Like, well, it does to somebody else. And until you actually want to do better for somebody else instead of just yourself, 
you won't want to learn. And there obviously is a segment of the population that's doesn't give any fucks. Right. Yes. And like, they never will. No, they never will. They never so will. I'm not including the people that don't care to change one bit or learn or educate themselves. Like, you can't do anything. Right. There's nothing you can do. Right. But I, I guess my biggest quest is to leave space for the people who are open to it but don't don't yeah. have the resources don't have and 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 would even maybe have no idea where to start yeah, like willing I, to change at least willing right. to learn i had one when i posted about uh white privilege on my instagram and i was glad that i did even though it became such a, ugh, a negativity cesspool but there were two people that i felt like made the entire thing and the entire exhaustion of my mental state worth it. One was a girl that was like basically upset and she was like, this makes me really upset, but I don't really understand like what it even means and why would why would you say this? Like mm. I didn't grow up with privilege. I don't like I, I I'm trying to see mine, but I don't get it. And I was like, this is a great conversation starter. Let's talk about it. The other one was a guy that I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it was mean. It was like, mm. well, it was like mean and snappy, like this, 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 because that's what everything is online nowadays. Nobody has any any indication that there's like a human being on the other end of that phone. No. Yeah. It's just like we're all trying to get our zingers in, so it's mean. And then I was like, you know what? No, F you, mean back, like zing, 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 zing. And then finally on his final zing, he said something about me hating my the color of my own skin and like being all this and i was like hold on mm. we are not speaking the same language and we're mm. not having the same conversation with each other our realities are different oh my god right so i was like let me back up from my meanness i'm so sorry that what i realized that we're allegedly fighting over mm -hmm. We're not fighting over what we think we are. Mm -mm. We've each been told a narrative. And I right. say that full well as like a liberal leaning person. And I'm sure he was probably a conservative leaning person because he was spitting a lot of like buzzwords or phrases that um, that typically come from the fact that our country is so politically divided now. And I had my go to's, you know, and I was like, but we're not even having that discussion. Mm -hmm. Like he's. He has now this view of me that's so wrong, and it's no one's fault but my own for not even having been clear enough. Mm. So I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me back up. If I was what you think I am, I'd be pissed at me too. Mm. I would. Because how horrible must I sound to you? And seeing myself now through your lens. So I was like, all right, let me go back to the very beginning and try to be as plain and clear as I can. So I did. Mm. And all this happened in the damn comments on my Instagram post. Yeah. After that, he was like, wow, okay, we actually have a lot more in common than I thought. Ah. And I'm like, again, as someone who is, I try to consider myself learned on different subjects and, you know, uh, aware of a lot more than I even was a year ago, I was still failing in that you get into these like little, your hackles get up and you're like shut down. Mm. Now I'm just shut down and I'm just firing at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
if that wasn't a, a, a lesson that I'm glad he took, but more so I needed. Right. And so it's just, I guess, going back to it, the space for growth mm. for the people who want it. Right. And also understanding that it just, like, there are things that I'm continuing to learn now about how racism has affected our country and how it's, like, seeped into it. Um, I'm listening to this uh, new podcast um, from this journalist called Eric. Er Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I say his name? Um, Ezra Klein. Thank you. There we go. Um, He used to be on Vox, and now he works for the New York Times. And he has these, like, really in-depth podcasts that, like, when I listen— I cannot do anything else. Like, I have to actively listen. And then sometimes I have to, like, rewind a little bit or uh, uh, scrub back. And then I have to, like, Google some of the stuff Mm -hmm. because him and his guests will use these words and phrases and talk about stuff. And I'm like, man, I thought I was, like, a little smart. But y'all are, like, (laughs) y'all could build rockets on this, like, podcast. Um, But the one I'm listening to now, he's interviewing this author. Her name is Heather McGee, and her book is called The Sum of Us, What Racism Cost Everyone and How Can We Prosper Together? And there are some facts in here that I'm learning about how so much of how our race and society now and how we think about it and how we treat it started back in like the 50s and 60s and how... It was like basically like always rich white people controlling even poor white people and making them think that, oh, the black people, the minorities, they're trying to get more. They're trying to take from you. They're trying to take from you when black people are like, I'm not trying to take from you. I'm just trying to be on the same level as you. But it was this narrative to continue with racism that has infused itself into our society and we've all been tricked by it oh you know? yeah everyone has been and that's what's so unfortunate everyone has been like bamboozled mm-hmm. to yeah. believe various things mm-hmm. that simply aren't true absolutely and so I, I i'm actually i'm gonna finish i have like 14 minutes left in the podcast i'm gonna finish it today and then i'm gonna actually order this book yeah. Because some of her her topics and there was this whole thing about um oh what is the phrase I think it's called drain the pool uh, it's something that I guess like politicos they use that term where basically back in like the in the twenties thirties and forties America when we started to progress and we had more leisure time and it wasn't just work, sleep, work, sleep, mm-hmm. and everyone wasn't on a farm anymore and you could actually go to work and come home and enjoy yourself, yeah. we built up a robust recreation system because people could go swimming. They could play tennis. They could do things for fun. They just have to work and sleep. And what happened is that people paid into the system. Um, they created these systems, but then black people would be in the neighborhood and be like, I want to use the pool too. I pay taxes. And then white people were like, no, I don't want to go in the same pool as you. And so some of these local places would literally, after, you know, two or three years of enjoying this beautiful new pool, they would drain the pool. They would put concrete over it so nobody could use it. So not only did the black people not get to use it, then the white people didn't get to use it. And so this was this mentality of like, well, you can't have it and then they can't have it. And so nobody can have it. 
And so it's this Causing way. Causing a further divide. Absolutely. So it's this way of thinking. Wow. That has progressed. And like, I'm only, like, that's the very surface level of what I was listening to yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's why I want to read the book to sort of study it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it's, it goes so far. So if you are one of those people and if you have made it this far in the podcast. <laughs> I think most have. Just be empathetic and like learn why people are upset because it doesn't. Like, like this is stuff that I didn't know, and my mom and my grandmother lived through it. Right. But, like, they don't talk about it. Yeah. And so it helps me understand why, you know, like, for instance, why my mom and my grandma are like, girl, know about that vaccine Mm-mm, for coronavirus. Yeah. Well, it's not just that they're, like, dumb and they don't want it. It's just because there are generational effects of the medical system ignoring uh, black people. And, like, they used to say back then, way back in the day, that, like, well, black people have a higher pain tolerance for things, so they don't need as much medication. Or we can do these different things to them, and it's going to be okay. Right. Well, of course, when that is fed down the line, they're going to be like, girl, I'm not trusting the government. I don't know what this shit's about. Mm. And so the more that we understand, I feel like the more that we can heal. Yeah. And so when people say... Well, why are y'all just bringing this up? Why are you just bringing this past up? Like, I've had that before when I've shared these interesting tidbits about race relations in America. And I'm like, if we don't understand how we got to this point, we will never be able to heal because we can't. We got to understand this. Hey, full circle. You go all the way back to therapy. And when you're in individual therapy, you have to dig through your past to figure out, oh, maybe my mom wasn't that like, you know, all knowing and all powerful. And now I got to look at it through a different lens. It's the same for this country. Mm -hmm. If we don't talk about it and we don't, you know, share our uh, sordid past, how do you think it's going to get any better? Right. How you going to get it? If you want uh, to read this book with me, it's called The Sum of Us, What Racism Cost Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together by Heather McGee. Mm. Mm. Scott, what's your social media? At Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N. Holly. Radio Holly on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And mine is Miguel Fuller, M-I-G-U-E-L-F-U-L-L-E-R on Instagram, TikTok, every now and then Snapchat, and on Facebook. Uh, Please leave us a review if you can. That really helps us out. Um, You can also listen on the Hot 101.5 app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, we will see you later. Scott, hit that button. Hit it. There Catch up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.